This is the Cars Unfiltered Podcast, Season 3, Episode 7. On this episode, I struggle with words. Which is, I don't know, which is basically, so, I mean, do do you guys like Aston Martin in general? Sal moves his sneakers. Are you saying I need to diversify my shoes? I need to keep a few at my (laughs) And Mike feels weird until they show up. It is weird. I felt the same way, and then you get over it when they show up. And now, the podcast. All right, whoever, you guys rock, paper, scissors it, and then no, we'll... Mike's, Mike's got it. We'll let Mike. All right, welcome to Cars Unfiltered, episode seven. If you are hearing this three minutes in, then that was an interesting intro, and if Tom cut that out, then thanks for listening. <laughs> we're <laughs> we're going to get started with the news. I'm here with Tom. I'm back. Back from the dead. And Sal, as you heard. Yeah, uh, you heard me there speaking. Although it is funny, I thought about this before, where it's like the I'm back is now, like everybody does it. And it's like instinctual. You just want to like, when you introduce people, you want to like say something. Like yeah, as well, if yeah, the well, implication. You have to say something. No, because the, then the implication means that you're lying and it's like Sal's here, but really I'm staring at an empty chair. And no one's going to notice that he didn't say anything the whole episode. <laughs> so it's it's a it's an irrational thing to have to check in. Like, yep, that's me here. Well, I mean, I, the, yes, I suppose. It but... serves a, a behind-the-scene purpose of making sure that uh, the volume's okay, but the fans don't care. Right. Faithful listeners, I am back it's, after a long <laughs> hiatus. It is really me. value it's... added. It's a very blogger intro is what I'm trying. <laughs> man, and now he's saying I don't add any value. All right, man. All right. I understand. I understand. Tom, we're right. glad, we're, I'm glad you're here for one. Plus, there was no way I was going to let that dry bleep intro <laughs> Why bleep? The way. Why bleep? <laughs> it worked for the this Backstreet Boys. Why this, can't it work yeah, for me? This is Mike going into the news like like Larry King Live or something. Or, or like, <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what. <laughs> Well, on, on that, let's let's get into the news. <laughs> Thank nice you, NPR. <laughs> Man, the segues are still sharp. Oh, we're we're killing it already. Two minutes in, and we're killing the sucker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, so, so how about that? How about that Aston Martin DBX, Tom? Well, guys. You know, after not being on the podcast for a while and coming back, I wanted a hot topic to bring to bring for us to discuss. Apparently, and uh, and what what hotter topic could I bring than the new Aston Martin DBX? I don't. Which know. is, I don't know. Which is basically so. I mean, do, do do you guys like Aston Martin in general? I mean, yes. Yeah, I like Aston's. Right. Let's, so so Aston was like quick, the coolest brand, right? Quick show notes. Uh, Tom forgot to put a link to anything, and I refuse on principle to look it up. <laughs> so No, I specifically did I put will, a link to this because you don't want to see it. I, I, I agree with that. I refuse to look things up on principle. <laughs> I will make it up in my head and assume that's what it looks I will Okay, whatever it. you make whatever you make up in your head, it's not ugly enough. Okay. <laughs> well, now so, you have my attention. Yeah, that's fair. Now I might look <laughs> right? it up. Right? Yeah, now you got to be curious, right? So the DBX, um I actually don't know a whole lot about like the underpinnings of the new DBX. I caved, I looked it up. Oh gosh, that's worse oh, than it's I bad. thought. Right? Oh, it's bad. <laughs> 
I thought they why would they make the why would they make like the doors taller? Or, why is it why does it look like that? It's so malproportioned. So, so for our listeners, if if you're driving or something, here's here's how it looks, okay? You essentially take an Aston Martin Vanquish or something, which is a gorgeous, beautiful vehicle, okay? And you essentially ju- imagine a giant coming up, wrapping their lips around the hood and blowing air in through the, the gills. That was the not where I thought you were going to go. <laughs> but but he's not wrong. I would have said it would have looked more like a giant walks up and like pinches the bee pillars and stretches it up a little bit. Yeah. So it's got kind of the, <laughs> the back end of the new Urus a little bit, sort of, kind of. Um, and it has the front end of a taller... Let, let's say um, identity confused Aston Martin. Right. Um, and yeah, it's, um, All right. I mean, I'm sure there's got to be a market for it because everybody's building these doggone SUVs. So yeah, I just, I don't, I don't exactly know a whole lot about it um, because I, I didn't want to know the price point. Um, I didn't want to know, you know, what it was based on. Um, I, I had an opportunity to look into this for this vehicle, but I chose not to because I, I don't want it to exist. All right. Well, that's that's pretty but, much. I mean, but back to and I think were you in this conversation, Tom? I don't think. No, I think it's just me and Mike. We're talking about how. Uh, oh, it was last week actually. If you listened to last week's mini episode of Rambles for twenty five minutes, I had an idea <laughs> in my head of how to structure it, and I didn't execute. Um, but in any case, so this is in my mind. This is the same play that Porsche made with the Cayenne and stuff where like, this is their road to profitability, right? This is what they need to to stay alive so that they can continue making DBs and stuff. Right. But wanting it not to exist is like wanting Aston not to exist. But, but is it really, or is it their way to attract buyers again, period? Are they losing? Yeah. I I mean, yeah, sure. They sell sports cars, but are they, um, I mean, aside from like revenue or anything, is that just what they have to sell now? It's it. Why do we think that this is going to sell? Well, I mean, well, like, they needed, I mean, they how needed many... to sell a, a, a crossover. All right, everybody. Sorry if there's a little bit of a hiccup. We had a little bit of an audio snafu, um, but we were just talking about the uh, the Aston Martin DBX is coming out this next uh, quarter, and why it exists. And why it should not exist. <laughs> right. So basically what I was doing is I was getting prepped to look up numbers to tell you why they need it. As an example, we were talking about do they really need um, it, right? So mm-hmm. I'm looking at Porsche's year-to-date sales up till June because I just clicked on the first thing that popped up on Google, right? So of the 29,000 Porsches that had been sold up till June of this year, 20,000 of them are four-seaters. Yeah, that's quite a bit. Two thirds of their sales are cars that are not what I'll call what you would normally think of a 911. So they had all 911s was about 5,000, all 718s, which I have no idea what that is. Uh, that's is, the new Boxster and Cayman. Of course, Tom knows. What so that it is. is 3,000. <laughs> yep, 3,000. So that's about what, 8,000 roughly? Then mm-hmm. Panamera, which is not, I know it's a car, but it's a four door Porsche, which is sedan. Yeah. sedan. Yeah, it's a proper sedan. It's four, four and a half thousand. Cayenne is five thousand, and Macan is twelve thousand. 
Wow. So if you take the Macan Cayenne and Panamera, right, that's, yeah, roughly 20,000 of the 30,000 sales. More than two-thirds of sales. I would not have guessed that for the Macan because the Macan is such a, the Cayenne, the price difference is not, like we were talking about earlier, um, for some of the price difference between models and stuff, but like, um, which we could get into if we wanted to, but uh, like the Cayenne is so much nicer than the Macan. And the right. price difference is not that huge unless you right. go like to a turbo spec or something. Right. But either way, back to Mike's point. So I think it's a combination of both. I think they need a vehicle they can sell on mass looking at those sales. Apparently that people do want a crossover, even from luxury brand. And also, I mean, it, it, it's, I'm sure that even that, right. If, if it's two thirds of their sales, it was probably more than that of their margin too, compared to a nine eleven or whatever, though, arguably, the 911s people are buying are the uh, what I'll call the Tom specials because it's like a Porsche 911 C2 5V 985L. And you're like, what's the L for? But uh, Long wheelbase. Lovely. Uh, um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> lovely. But so, but 2017, like. No, that Aston was. Two, Martin, that was. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say, Aston Martin 2017, when they released the DB11, right? And now they also just released the new Vantage, which. I think is going to be a really good buy in a couple of years when there's the used market for them gets more saturated. Um, but like they're at like record sales. They're at oh. a, you know, a nine year oh, what, high. What were their sales? Um, they have like money, uh, like money numbers. I don't see like the manufacturing. <laughs> Tom, numbers. Tom, you're, you're terrible with <laughs> your argument of your point because well, no, they're, you're failing. They're, but my says, point I'm is, they, they might have, we had a record year of 30 vehicles last year. Yeah, right. <laughs> right, right. But they had, so they had revenues of 840 million pounds. So like they, and they're making money because it, it looks like, like they are profitable. Right. So I don't get, I don't know. It seems like the Vantage could be a pretty good money maker. Um, no, but the, every every company is looking to expand, right? And Aston Martin is where Aston Martin is gonna be in its exclusive club of the, the supercar world. Yeah. Right? So, so you look at mm-hmm. Aston Martin sold five thousand cars last year, and and yeah. they're not gonna sell more, right? Yeah. It, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't it doesn't matter how you cut the pie. That that's gonna be their market share. Right. So, so what you're saying is just like, just fundamentally, right? Which is why Ford quit making cars is that these supercar makers, okay? So, for, so that means probably if they're smart, Ferrari is next and offering some kind of SUV. They, right? they because, have one already, or they at uh, least had, there's plans of a Ferrari one. I could have sworn I said what seen. I th- one. I've thought I've seen one too. Oh, I don't remember seeing that. I know they have the FF, but that's not, that's a disgrace. Um, well, whether it's, it's a disgrace or not, <laughs> yeah, that's this is so weird to me. Oh wow, there is a Ferrari SUV. Yeah. Oh man, these all look like they're on the exact same platform too, which is I'm very curious. Anyway, the point being, I feel like it's really weird that everybody's making these SUVs, and uh, I I maybe I'll get converted. I'm not saying I'm not going to get converted someday, but man, it seems so weird to me. Yeah. Because these guys aren't able to make off-roaders. Like, if you think of an off-roader, you're thinking, like, Jeep. You're thinking, like, sure, Ford with the Bronco and the Raptor, whatever, right? You're thinking uh, Land Rover. Um, 
you know the normal ones but like it's, it's like when bmw went to go make an like a suv like they they failed so i don't know but i guess nobody drives off road anyway so it doesn't matter i don't know well it, i don't know i uh... My person, personally, right, and I guess looking at the numbers, looking at the data, everyone's moving to crossovers and SUVs, right? And I don't mean that from a manufacturing standpoint. People, uh, manufacturers build what people want, right? So people want uh, SUVs and CUVs and things, and so manufacturers have to build them, and it just the fact that we're you're starting to see it in the super luxurious. Um, sphere means that it's it's saturated throughout um, I, customers, I guess the uh, the car buying public. It's saturated the whole thing, right? But if you're, if you're, hey, sooner, if you're sooner or later, market, the, sooner or later, the only cars you're going to see are going to be used cars, right? I, that's it. Yeah. They're, they're going to be secondhand, thirdhand, whatever used car lot cars. I don't know, it's just weird to me. Like, I guess not to be. Oh, speaking of the Grand Tour and Jeremy Clarkson, they uh, pushed How out. How are we? We weren't speaking of the Grand Tour. Oh, I was sorry. Yes, that was true. I was about to say not to like take on Jeremy Clarkson's like uh, brain here, but like if you're in that category of like, okay, I have my Ferrari California and my 488 GTB. Like, oh yeah, well, I want a daily driver, something I can put miles on and not feel bad about. I'm gonna get this like you know, Ferrari SUV. Like, why wouldn't you just go buy a brand new Range Rover for $180,000? Like if you wanted like the creme de la creme, but also something that is like, can drive in the snow <laughs> if needed. I don't know. I don't know. It's just weird. It's the whole space with this, like, like basically it's like the B this, these are all like the BMW X6 M and, or whatever, you know, from that kind of a thing. And so it's just, to me, it just seems weird. But I guess we'll see. Time will tell. I don't know. I mean, time, yes, time will tell. Um, but it doesn't seem weird to me. I'm on the opposite side of that argument. <coughs> Whoa. I mean, you're pro SUVs? No, I'm, no, I'm not pro SUV, and I never will be <laughs> pro SUV. I am pro manufacturers making money based on what people want. And what people want is SUVs. Oh, yeah. Fair enough. So right, I'll, I'll accept that. I'll accept your point. Gosh. So um, you, you know what else people want, Mike? What's that? They want jobs. That's true. And who's offering <laughs> jobs? A car company that's making money. Oh, right. and, oh. Not, and not making SUVs. What? What? Yeah, yeah. And, and who so, is that? So Rimac, after recently opening 100 jobs earlier this year, is now opened 100 more jobs. Now... It's oh, good. They can, they can populate uh, one third of a Ford engine plant. <laughs> right, one exactly. Shift, maybe. <laughs> but here's the thing, right? They're they're profitable. Are apparently, they profitable? Are they profitable? I would wager they are. are I, I, would tell I you don't. Why. I don't know that I would believe that. It took really? Tesla what, like, eighty quarters? Yeah. Right. <laughs> no, you got okay. This okay. This is this is going to be good. Why are companies? Like I, I believe that Koenigsegg like and Rimac. To me. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I believe that I would be. I would wager that Koenigsegg and Rimac are actually profitable, even though they've only made combined about a hundred and seventy cars. Okay, between those two I manufacturers. Don't know. 
Because they holy shit, this guy's under thirty five. Yeah, they make they they don't make they don't okay they make a few cars and they sell a few cars, but that is not what they're in the market for. Yeah, they right. Make, no shit. I'm reading up on this make, a little bit. Right, they make technology. So Rimac and Koenigsegg all have contracts with the large motor manufacturers, right? The like you know. Yeah, right. Pretty much everybody in some shape or form. Now, Tesla, right? What did Tesla do a couple of years ago? They gave away all their patents, right? Which is great. And we can argue <coughs> the merits or not merits of that technology. But these guys have instead turned that into revenue. So it's it's definitely, you know, and they've only made 20 cars or 140 cars. So... There's a big difference know, between 20 and 140. Yeah, by that notion, Mike's probably more profitable than all of these companies. I know, right? <laughs> what he put in the Torino and what he sold it to. Well, I mean, yeah, that was, they that was a they're not trying to profit margin, I think. Well, they're not trying to make money on car sales. The money they make is on the deals they make for selling technology. So, Okay, right. so do you want to know, uh, in, in this says 20, 2015. So, yeah, it's, it's fairly recent. Right. Uh, Rimac had their first annual profit really? of one million kuna. Interesting. Do you want to venture to guess how much one million kuna is? Like thirty dollars? Uh, like, no, not like thirty. It's like thirty cents. Tom, Mister Mister Rimac's profitable. I'm going with a hundred and fifty-two thousand dollars. Yep. Way to use your Google calculator. <laughs> So they in 2015 they cracked they finally cracked the code and made $150,000. <laughs> they could have paid you for a year, Tom. So and and I'm sure as Mike probably knows from a business side, that's also probably cuz they um took all their assets and whatever only included the percentage of whatever it's called. What is it called? No, where you like you amortization. Yeah, you yeah. put off the cost of a capital investment not put it off, but you spread it out over 30 years so it doesn't look like a... Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so with all their equipment amortized or whatever. <laughs> amortized. Amortized. Okay. But right? Let's, let's... They made $150,000. They made enough for like two bologna sandwiches for everyone <laughs> in the plant. Okay, but, okay, they started in 2009. And you know what they started in 2009 with? The Green Monster, which was a BMW E30 electric prototype. Okay. Do you, do you want to know what Henry Ford started with? The, Nothing. I mean, <laughs> he had a shed. Yeah, he he built a first vehicle. Yeah, exactly. So he started I with mean, nothing. These guys had a BMW. Oh, okay. Well, by Tom logic, they should have started out with the best manufacturer in the world. I came back for this. So, so you're saying six six years? Okay, so the, six years to profitability. You think is? I mean, I don't know. Is that no? Is no, that acceptable? Actually, I don't know. In the I mean, industry, I don't, I, don't know. I don't know what their funding and stuff was. But in 2011 is when they actually released the Concept One. Okay, yeah, which but, is their first like real car. So Tom's they doing it. And, Tom didn't listen to last last week's episode. No. Nope. <laughs> uh, okay, I don't. I don't know. Their company not being able to produce anything two years after investment is not a shining example of a oh. startup company. But Tom's argument also is that they're making money on other things and just building cars for fun. 
Yeah, they don't they don't build cars. The cars are simply to demonstrate the technology and then they sell the bits of technology that they demonstrate in the cars. So like the drivetrain, like Koenigsegg has the deals with like GM and Ford for their drivetrain, right? And then like uh I'm sure the I don't know all of like Rimax deals, but they make the majority of their cash now by selling uh the technology and components from the cars that they're their prototype cars that they develop. So all I'm saying is like you know, okay, he went from 2009 to 2015 before they were like break even, let's say, right? So six years and Tesla in six years went from burning whatever they burned initially to burning $600 million a quarter. So, but, the, but I would, but I would argue that uh, Tesla's earning potential, if that's a thing, was greater after those six years, even though they had produced less or at least sure. been less profitable. Well, sure, but that's just the nature of Tesla going into the mass manufacturing. Right. No, and I agree. Right? Niche manufacturing. Yeah. Right? No, I agree. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think at the end of the day, it's the uh, the comment was about her <laughs> profitability, and it's. Oh yeah. You no, know, I agree. I mean, it's but even to that extent, right? Koenigsegg has said it himself, right? It's almost like a hobby to that dude. Like he wants right. to build fast cars and be the fastest cars, or whatever the case, most technologically advanced and balanced cars. Um, and if you make some money on top of it, that's great, right? So no, I mean, yeah. I don't know. What's it, wasn't there a, a, a Gunther car or a, something? It's a hard G that there was a, a car not too long ago. Um, this uh, Koenigsegg reminded me of it just because it kind of looks like a Koenigsegg. Uh, hmm. No bearing on the conversation. Just curious. Gumpert. That's the car. Oh, the yeah. Gumpert. Yeah. Right. Well, all I, I don't know. All I know is that car, it sounds like it might or should be uh, kept in a private collection, the which gu- leads into <laughs> oh, yes, it should be. our feature. See, segues again, we're getting better. We're warming up on segues again. <laughs> um, so today we wanted to talk about, um, and I'll explain it first because this is a point of contention. Uh, we got the topic, should rare cars be in collections? Um, and I had to ask for clarification because in my head I'm like, well, it's either that or uh, a dumpster or a junkyard. So <laughs> oh, yeah, I thought, about I thought like you meant that, like, no. like, yeah, like I have an F-150 and a Mustang. <laughs> They're my collection, right? But I understood later, Mike clarified, he meant should they be able to hold them in private collections versus, let's say, in a museum or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which in my head, I just thought of like art pieces, right? The Mona Lisa is privately owned they make agreements to show it, but I don't know, maybe that's your point. Maybe there should be more of a market for lending a car out. Well, for sure. Okay. So, so this is all because of, uh, by the time this goes public, I guess last week's fires in California, um, that are probably still going when you're listening to this, but anyways, at the fires in California, right, they've destroyed a bunch of shit. And, one of the things that they destroyed was this collection of vehicles. Um, there was a, a 30 plus vehicle collection of many one-off vehicles, right? And one of the vehicles was the Norman Timbs T-I-M-B-S special. And gorgeous car. It's, it's oh, phenomenal. Phenomenal, right? Um and it was just some hot rodder's dream of what a car should look. Actually, he was a vehicle designer, I, I believe, uh, who also built and designed vehicles in his spare time. And uh, it's just what he believed. Like, 
an optimal car that could go really fast and it could go real fast uh, should look like, right? Um, and just a phenomenally gorgeous car. It was restored after many years of being uh, neglected and, and it had deteriorated, brought back, and, and now it's it's gone, right? Like legit gone this time. There's no bringing it back from what – you can make a replica. Somebody can make a replica, maybe, probably, but – it's not it's not the car anymore right um and it, it'll never it never will be again and so my thought process or or question i guess was just should somebody just be able to have that in their garage somewhere right i i i, I know that as uh a free thing, you know, a free nation, a nation of free people, or whatever. Um, you could never impose on somebody that hey, you have to keep that in a museum or something. But should it be more generally like accepted or uh, even expected of people who kind of have those cars once, it, like somebody knows about it, whether it's insurance company or somebody, to have requirements put on it based on like. You know, you have to have this car now in XYZ um, climate controlled and earthquake proof, fireproof, whatever, basically safe, uh, or we're not even going to fucking insure it. You know what I'm saying? So that was a bit long winded, but uh, it was, but I, I, I know what you're saying, um, but I'll let Tom respond first. He sounded so like I he just, was I just want to know. Well, yeah, I I was just thinking about it, and I'm like, so this was this car was in a, uh, I was presume a warehouse or whatever, right, with like thirty or more other cars, like of yep. significance, right? Yep. Now, last time I checked, but when there's but a giant only, fire wait. in the news coming at me, I feel like I would know about it. But he was he <laughs> was out, he was out of state or out, or and, at least I can confirm have, he was out of the, out of state, but maybe like out of the country. Hundred cars, where are you going to put them all? Away from the fire, because anything would be better than the fire. No, but like, okay, so let's say you live right there, right? A lot of rich people mm -hmm. live there. Let's say it's Jay Leno lived there, and the fire is coming in like an hour, and you have a hundred cars. You can't save all of them. What are you gonna do? So, so I would point this out, okay? So I come from a software development background, right? Here we go. Now, <laughs> yep. <laughs> and data falls under the same thing. So data, <coughs> some data is priceless, right? Now. Would I put that data in a data warehouse in the cat like in the path of the California fires, or would I like move it or disperse it like across multiple regions? Yeah, but you know? your logistics are flawed. It, it, the logistics of moving thirty cars or even one car in that kind of uh, scenario situation fire is not the same as a few clicks of data. You're also talking about a bunch of rich, 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 rich people. That's who. I'm saying if I'm a rich, rich, you, rich are you saying guy, I need to diversify my shoes? I need to keep a few at my. Yeah. <laughs> if, if you have, so obviously, like this is not like a click and copy and duplicate the data. Yeah. But I feel like even like insurance aside, which by the way, I, I'm sure that if the like uh, who was it P and PG and E or whatever um, insurance in California, they oh, may yeah. not be around much longer. Um, no, they're, no, they're not an insurance company. That's the uh, power company you're thinking of, PG&E. Oh, so yes, but they're um, they're on the hook potentially for oh yeah for everything. Yeah, right. yeah, they may not be around much longer. Um, so I like I feel like if I had a collection like this, especially with stuff like at this caliber, 
I would have, I don't know, like if you're rich, 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 build a moat. Like do something if you know that you're like in an area that can have a fire. Like even, okay, you know what, you know what would happen if like there was a fire, if I had my truck and my car at my parents' building, okay, or on the farm, like they have a barn, okay. If I had my stuff in there and there was a giant fire coming at that, like let's say they were burning off the field and there's a fire, I would get the backhoe out and I would dig a freaking trench around the building. This, okay? That's not how it works do, out there. Do you have job. a backhoe? backhoe? Yes. He does, yeah. Yes, yeah. <laughs> See, I don't. I don't even think I'm allowed to have a backhoe by like city ordinance. <laughs> Sal, but I would guarantee you, especially if you're Sometimes, rich, like, rich, rich, everyone rich, everyone rent one out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, but you're not going to rent one in an hour. It's the apocalypse. <laughs> yeah, right. And that's that's just it, right? So, like, if if to bring this back around, okay. So, <laughs> so try, try, Mike. No, I'm not. I'm not bringing it back around that the way you think. I'm just bringing it back around to Jay Leno. So, like, Jay Leno example, right? Good example because mm-hmm. yep, I would almost 100% guarantee you that Jay Leno's garages are on some sort of fireproof, like save everything system. Right. Gotta be like, I don't, I don't know what he's got in place, but there's gotta but be precautions that, in that place. Wildfire would have. I, I agree. It probably, but, but th- then on the other hand, you have this guy and Tom, I know you think like rich, rich, rich people. And yes, probably, but also, um, not so rich as to have like a separate place to hold stuff rich enough to be like in Tom's world equated yeah, to like, the farmer it, with a pole barn with a bunch of nice cars. Let's in say it. you have like four cars, right? Where it's like, okay, you're rich, but not rich. But to your point, combining the two points, it's almost like to your point, Mike, could insurance companies, I, I say no because America, but in any case, I mean, I, I tend could, to agree with you. Could but. insurance companies say, all right, you have two garage. This car needs to alternate between two garages or during forest fire season, AKA forever in 2025. <laughs> uh, you need to have it in the house that's away from the forest fire, stuff like that, right? Can yeah, they, right. Does they it have, have to be in like a city lot or city uh, yeah. building somewhere? Right. That is interesting. Like, could an insurance company come in and say, hey, look, you had three days notice as this fire was coming towards your building with these million dollars of cars that we insure and you didn't move it. That I right? mm-hmm. or like because how, know, or but like, they don't know how long it's going to take to move it or, or find a place for it. Yeah, where right. are they going to move it? They would but be not able... a single car is moved. That, Think about that, right? No, like, no, 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 no. There's no way that as an insurance company, you could go out and say, Rather than thinking about your life, go get that Norman Timms and yeah, like right. die. Yeah. No, they, because they it, because be the alternate is worse. Because if he dies and their estate sues him, now he got murdered. <laughs> that's, it's not a question of like somebody running into a burning building, right? That is not the scenario. And obviously that's not a good idea. The scenario is these fires have been burning for several weeks at this point, right? Yeah, not several, yeah. but not everyone has like – so let's say Jay Leno, I doubt he has enough places around the world he can get to within a few days, right? Or coordinate enough stuff within a few days to get everything out in time. Well, well and, and somebody like Jay Leno has a staff. So somebody like Jay Leno might be able to place a phone call. But this guy's not a guy that has a staff, right? right. He's like the farmer who has 30 vehicles in his fucking pole barn because he's collected them over time or whatever. Right. He doesn't have somebody that maintains them. He just has them. He enjoys them. He drives them. Sometimes we're not talking like mega rich, right? We're talking like rich enough, but like a hobbyist. And and even for that point, Mike, I'm sorry, I'm not coming back for the 70. If you you call me and say, I can only drive one. I need you to come drive the 70. I'll be like, it was nice knowing the 70. 
I don't know, man. Money, like, all I know is, like, I'm pretty sure, like, I could see, you know, my dad and I are, like, you know, running out there. Like, there's fire coming over the hill, and we're running out there trying to find places to take cars. I could see that happening. Super easy. Money or no money. I don't know. It's, it's, I mean, yeah, they could have been out of town, right? Like, I totally get that. But I, t- um, I think you're underestimating or un- under uh, sympathizing, under empathizing with the situation at hand. Like, you're talking mega forest fires, right? You are not thinking about moving your cars. Last thing on your mind. And, and even then, right? If you have a big enough car collection, I don't think I could come up with four places to leave my car indefinitely. I could come up with like two. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know. Like I, uh, like, even if you're mega rich, you don't pay to have just empty storage sitting around someplace. So you're telling me that like this giant fire is coming towards your home. You leave, like you get evacuated, and you're not like watching the map to see where the fire's at. To yeah, see but stuff's I know. But who says you can go back to your house? It may be blocked off. Like eva- you oh, may not, not be able to get physically back there. You're confusing again the uh, like the situation of like yeah like if there's a fire on your doorsteps like you don't you shouldn't be running back to go get your stuff right yeah but but like it but depends yeah, like, on how much time I have time because the fires are spreading it's like it's a day away I'm you, not gonna get a hundred cars out but you're also talking like fifty five mile an hour winds that doesn't mm-hmm. take that long to go from oh hey that's not gonna get here to oh shit I gotta get out of here yeah. No, but I, I, I mean, and, and I mean, and I would liken first. it like I would like it to like, for example, my sneaker collection, which isn't shoes, right, or which isn't cars, but still, like, if if I knew that, like, hey, there's people that are going on a robin spree, robbing every house in town for the next four <laughs> hours, I'm not gonna like go try and find a U-Haul at two in the morning to be like, I need to get my sneakers out. I'm like, well, there, those are gone. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah. I don't know. I still but, think there's a, a way to save some, especially like something like that. And he had but like how a do you Ferrari pick? Dino. And, yeah. So, okay. Well, so if he could only take one, then you're just like, oh, he saved Well, then I would one. take one. I would definitely take maybe one. Maybe he did. Maybe he took his maybe, favorite maybe car. Maybe he took his one. Yeah. Maybe it just happened well, to be that, a Toyota Camry. <laughs> if that's the case, that would be the great story. Like, what? this is the uh, one that survived. But back to the, I guess, the original question. I don't know. I think I think private collections are fine, personally. I mean, I understand what you're saying, but... If the insurance company puts any more stipulations to that, it just becomes a, you know, where where do they draw the line? Is right. it over a yeah, certain right. value? Is it whatever? Because, I mean, you look at houses, I don't know out of experience, but I don't imagine that the insurance policy on a $4 million house looks very much different than one that's 250000 other than the actual values. Yeah, but right. I don't think there's special stipulations on it, right? Um, yeah, it's not like the, the cars capable of moving around the country or anything. Right, you know? or like historical significance, okay, maybe, right? But even then, I don't know how much difference the insurance is. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's an interesting question because, yeah, I mean, like the example I was thinking of art, right? So think of the Mona Lisa. I'm pretty sure the Mona Lisa is – well, no, that one I think got gifted. But whatever. Let's say the Mona Lisa is privately owned and they're just lending it to the Louvre to put on display, right? I'm sure – half of the measures that they have on there were based on the insurance company saying you need to have this amount of protection oh, yeah, around for sure. it. Right. So to Tom's point and to your point, if you're going to treat artwork like that, could you potentially, the insurance company say the same thing with a car, like you need to have a glass case around it. You need to X, Y, Z. Right. But at the same time, right. Uh, so as, as valuable as the Norman Tim special is and the other cars in this collection are, none of them would be, uh, 
necessarily generally considered valuable by um, like the car buying public at large, right? You couldn't necessarily take this to like a bottoms auction and get multi-million dollars with it, right? It was a, like, it's like a hot rodder's dream car. But I, th- I think it'd still be worth some money. Like I do, I do still think it's it's worth it. But at that point, in my mind, just thinking about it, it's it becomes a difference of are you going to publicly display it, or if you're going to privately display it, then that point is at your disposal. But I don't know. Either way, it's a loss to the hot rodding history. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I'll I pour out it. some motor oil for it later. Yep, definitely condolences and. Well, I don't know if my condolences are right, but, you know, I hope everybody and their family out there is, uh, you know, doing all right because yeah, for sure. definitely some tough, some tough times out there for a lot of people. And it's, you know, those things like houses and everything, cars, whatever, like that stuff's not going to get ba- built back up overnight, no matter how much money that's thrown at it. So way to, you know, way to bring this back down, Dom. You're welcome. That's my, <laughs> I'm good at that. What can I say? But yeah, they, uh, I'm pretty sure, you know, California is not a cheap place to live. And I would wager that from this, the insurance premiums for nearly everything are going to go up after it. So I don't know. That could be, yeah, potentially new, like new rules and regulations for auto insurance too, collector. I don't, I don't think you can. Right. And I don't know the rules, but I mean, in my mind, in the free market, the insurance can offer whatever coverage they want or can't want. Right. For whatever price. And then the idea being that if someone gets too chirpy with them, then they just go down to progressive and have progressive insurance. Well, the the, like insurance. So you think about like a house on a floodplain or something, right? Or like a lot of these cars and this stuff is probably not even covered because these fires, uh, depending on how they were started, it could just be considered active guard. You have to have like uh, flood insurance if you live in an area with flooding or whatever, right? Is that what you're thinking? Yeah, or in some yeah. yeah, or in some places you can't even get that, right? So like you're buying your house, like you can't get buy a house with a loan in some areas because, you know, it's uninsurable. Um, you know, and maybe at some point and like the Mona Lisa is like estimated at eight hundred million dollars or whatever. So, you know, if if and ultimately too, it's up to the insurance companies if they want to take a bet, because that's what it's all a gamble, right? If the, no insurance company wants to insure the Mona Lisa, they don't have to. If they feel like it's too much money to insure it, yeah, well, but they yeah. will, but they'll take the money because almost all of those insurance deals are front loaded, right? Well, but that's not to say that this guy had all his cars insured, right? I think again, go back to the farmer that's got thirty cars out back in his pole barn. Are all thirty of those cars insured? But those are not probably necessarily not, probably those aren't worth their insurance. I think a collector of this vintage would probably have to have something. Yeah, maybe, maybe it was maybe but it was even, part of his like homeowner's policy to cover the contents, but. It wasn't stipulated right. what those contests necessarily I were. Think there's only a few people I know that would think of tax evasion in that. <laughs> or not tax it's evasion. Not, it's, but it's not. It's fraud. just, it's not insurance fraud. It's just, you don't have, if it's not registered to be on the road, you don't have to carry insurance right. on it. Yeah, but I doubt yep. that those people are including that in their homeowners as a personal property. Well, they could include, right. if it's not insured, if it's not double insured, you could get it covered, right? Right. So, but my point well, is, it's going to gonna be it's going to be under. They're never going to move. Then, yeah. He but can, that's what I'm saying. It's going to be undervalued by like a homeowner's policy yeah. that covers stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. It's going to be different than a vehicular policy. So they may only value the car at like it was worth fucking thirty thousand dollars or whatever when it's yeah. impossible to replace for that amount, yeah. right? Yeah. 
But since mm-hmm. they're not in the business of insuring cars, fuck it, that it is what you get. And yeah, like as far as like fires and stuff goes, it very much depends, you know, insurance companies are wealthy, wealthy engines of wealth. And uh, they don't get that way by making poor bets on what to insure and what to cover. Uh, And insurance companies, unfortunately, are really not like a public service kind of. No, yeah, they're all for profit. They are all profit. (laughs) Yeah, so that's why like Warren Buffett bought Geico, right? Is like he saw it like literally in his book. He says that he uh, saw it and his mouth started watering. Um, <laughs> but but at the same so, time, I agree. But who's to say that they haven't even already made money off of this deal, right? This specific insurance company with these cars, right? Maybe this dude has been insuring them for fifty oh, years. That's, that's entirely possible. And and because it's such a high risk, right? His deductible is insane. Right. So let's say I'm just going to put numbers on it. Let's say the car is $30,000. They say you live in a high risk area. It's going to be 5,000 a month. And because he's super rich and the car is worth more to him. Right. He can, he'll mm-hmm. say, Oh, okay, whatever. It's worth it. Right. Meanwhile, the insurance company's already made. Yeah, for sure. $60,000. Right. So hello, Michigan. Yeah, exactly. You just, you just over <laughs> the insurance companies. I agree with you, Tom, if there's an unacceptable amount of risk, but I think that that's a very high threshold They'll always put a number to it. It's just a, mm-hmm. a point where if it gets too high, you probably don't want to put the number to it, right? Yeah, right. It's it's very rarely the insurance company that's not offering. But, but I, I think, but I I can think see you've got to get the insane amounts of stuff, right? Because I mean, like you said, the Mona Lisa is there. I'm sure the but, Mona Lisa is insured. But it's usually for other reasons, right? Like they don't want to insure XYZ because of whatever. They don't do business there or it doesn't fit the bill, yeah. right? Like Anyway. Um, well, yeah, so we're like, going to beat this with a dead stick or beat this horse with another. <laughs> dead sti- yeah, we're going to beat this dead stick day. with a horse. <laughs> Cars, mics, beating sticks with horses. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, all I know is like, I'm pretty sure we'll probably maybe we can revisit this and once the insurance shakes out later because uh i think it could be interesting i know from like the uh like hurricanes and like katrina and stuff down south a lot of those people with the flood damage and stuff were not actually covered and it's taking them a long time to rebuild because the funds aren't there they're still rebuilding now actually so yeah um that could definitely be interesting yeah it will be interesting to see for sure yeah all right do we have anything else i think i I think this episode is long enough (laughs) Well, I don't know. Any there's I, there's any old there's one old other car updates from any of either of you two? No, I haven't done anything oh. on my truck. I have updates. Oh, yeah. You thought you were gonna. You thought you were free. <laughs> nope. Um. So I actually have recently acquired a new exhaust manifold for the eighty-five. Oh, and what do you, and, what uh, you say acquired? Hmm. I, there, there might be a parking lot around here with somebody who has a really loud truck now. Oh, yeah, no, that's not true. So, anyways, <laughs> no, go that's on. not true. Yeah, uh, eBay, but yeah. So, which this is like really sad, but I have been ordering parts off eBay. Oh no, dude! It's, I mean, it's I not a bad thing to do. It's. I bought a lot of parts for the thirty-five. It is weird. I felt the yeah. same way, and then you get over it when they show up, or when you win right, that auction yeah. for like two dollars and thirty-four cents. Yeah, that's true. I never win though. Yeah, I, I think really it's a mental. I did mental once, thing. but it was only because the guy had the part misclassified. So it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, 
It wasn't class. I found it because I searched some weird search term or something, you know, some real wide band and like did the digging and got it for, I think I got it for $19. It was a speedometer for a 35 Ford and it worked. That's the one that we had in it when we were going to fucking Alaska. Yeah. Tom, Tom just, oh, nice. Tom just hits by it now. That's I know. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yep. Yep. I can't, I can't stand this waiting crap. Um, but yeah, so I'm actually going to start putting that together here, hopefully next week. Um, I'm thinking it's been a while since we did any videos, uh, and I'm thinking about potentially doing maybe a video with it or something. I don't know. We'll see. I'm trying to figure that out. Um, but yeah, other than that, I just keep putting money into the Raptor. That's been fun. Uh, yeah, I had a, let's see. I don't know what the last thing I talked about on here was for that, but I had a $1,400 bill recently that was mostly entailed front end suspension components like tie rods and ball joints and stuff like that Tom, and Tom, I, I know it's an off-road vehicle but you got to take more care of your vehicles i know it's michigan road i only drive on like 96 and 75 but it's worse than the baja 1000 apparently so because that's you know that's what they tested the truck on was the baja 1000 and i just drive on 70 so if that's any comparison if that tells people you know that that's how tax money that's how bad the roads are in Michigan, that's where our tax money goes, is into those horrible roads. Um, but yep, uh, now I'm replacing both the front wheel bearings. I've already done one at 300 bucks a pop, so that's fun. Um, I got one more to go. Well, good luck. Yeah. And I might be trying to learn to weld. I'm going to try and convince... That might be good video content. I might try and convince Mike to teach me how to MIG weld. Oh. I think that could oh, be... Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bring that car down. Yeah. We'll do it. Yeah. So that's that's about all I got for the moment. I uh, and... do not know how to make weld. Yeah, do you want to? Should we make this a formal I, class? I do not need to learn how to make <laughs> weld, even though I'm on that's I'm right. on the verge of my second engineering degree. No idea how to make weld. It's because Sal's stuff doesn't break. Apparently, yeah. apparently he just he, well, I don't know how he gets yeah, away with it. The listeners missed out. We should almost even like we should probably do uh, uh, like a screen recording and then just put that as a YouTube video, <laughs> just the back and forth. We got into a heated argument about uh, whether I would rather want an Escape or an Audi Q3. I think that would be a good topic for the next for the next show. Oh gosh, like yeah, I think we could go I mean, on a little bit. And basically, what it medication. boils down. <laughs> And basically what it boils down to is that I just am cursed. That's, that's the, that's the takeaway that I got from it. No, but I don't think, I think, I think you think how a lot of consumers think, right? Which is why big three sales have been good, but the, you know, why the market share is less, right? That there's a, there's a stigma behind them and some of it's justified, right? I knew people that had it justified, Um, but it just goes to show that one bad experience, right? Mark. Mr. Marketing over here might know one bad experience is enough to completely take people oh, away yeah, from the for brand. Sure. Right? All it takes is one person. All it takes is Tom saying it to the wrong person, and then they're just going to be buying Chevy for the rest of their lives. Tom's almost there. Or all it takes they're, is a slew of bad experiences all do, to make a diehard, diehard loyal person run away. Right. That's and all, now they're yeah, going to yeah. be concerned about JD Power reports and real but, customers. But Tom, I'm just, I'm just going to throw out there. Um, you have never bought a new Ford vehicle, so oh, the Mustang I didn't buy new. Oh, you did, oh, sure you did buy the Mustang. Damn well, it. but you also bought a non-V8 Mustang, so you that had it true. coming from you. Yeah, that's oh. your own fault. Hey, it's it starts every time; it just doesn't run. Well, so well, that one's your own fault. You didn't buy a V8. Uh, you sure, bought a V8. That wouldn't have happened with the V8. 
Oh my gosh. No replacement for displacement. <laughs> <sighs> and on that bombshell, unless that's trademarked or some crap, I guess this will be the end until next time. All right. See ya. Oh, oh. subscribe. Well, we got to do the things. Subscribe, like, like share, listen. share. We'll try and I, I feel like I've disrupted this podcast this time. So like tremendously, I feel I feel bad. <laughs> I'll try and be more civil next time. Uh, so please don't ban me again. Um, oh, wait. <laughs> you, this was, it was a self-imposed van, fans. Yeah. Self-imposed. <laughs> yeah. Some people yeah, have lives, unlike Mike and I. No, I don't No, I specifically didn't have a life for like uh, three weeks or four weeks there. You, so. you want to know what Mike did last weekend? He made chili. That sounds I didn't amazing. Make chili. Yeah, you did. You made chili. Oh, no, that was like last Thursday. Anyway, well, you definitely <laughs> definitely didn't invite me for chili. Probably, I, I didn't have any chili either. They were making it as I was. I, I don't know what's going on. It was definitely Saturday. I don't know. On that note, <laughs> we'll talk to you guys All right, next we'll, week. We'll let you know how the chili is. <laughs>